Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesca Ainsbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. I'm very well, thank you. Good to have you on as always. And Michael Jones, how are you, Michael? Yeah, good, thanks. Sorry for holding you guys up. No worries, no worries at all. Good to have you on. We'll get straight into it then. And we have a we have a new team at the top of the table after this weekend's action, and that is Napoli. Uh, beat Lazio in a really exciting game with a last-minute winner. We always love a last-minute winner. This time it was Fabian Ruiz. I'll come to you first, Francesco. How big a moment in the season could this prove to be, do you think, for Napoli? It, I mean, I heard people talking about this as potentially the Scudetto goal, the, the Fabian Ruiz goal in the last minute. I, mean, I think that is a bit of a stretch, but I do feel like this was probably the best moment of Serie A this season. It felt like something significant, and it was such a nice goal. And it came, you know, Lazio had just equalised. It really felt like there was a lot hanging on the match in that moment. And uh, for Napoli to come up with the goods there at the end and the way they did it, uh, yeah, I, you know, it was a very enjoyable moment of football. And I do think it is significant. You know, I think for Napoli to return to the top of the table at this stage of the season, I know that Inter have a, a game in hand, but um, it feels like they are very much, you know, potential champions this season um so i and and if they had drawn this game um i don't know if i'd be saying that now so i do feel like it was a big moment yes how about you michael we sort of questioned over time about the uh maybe the character of this napoli side you know they've had chances to go top before and there's been draws happening stuff like that but this time they did get the three points. Do you, do you see it as a huge moment for them as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a massive moment. I think I think maybe if other teams been doing better, the moment itself wouldn't have been as big. But obviously we've had a lot of draws recently. And, you know, just come to think about it, coming into Christmas, as well as Napoli had started the season, it looked like they were going to be sucked into a top four race, let alone a title race, the way their form had dropped off. But the way they've recovered has been really impressive. I think also that we've not had too many big moments in the past few weeks, partially because of these draws. I mean, the one that probably springs to mind is AC Milan's victory in the Derby di Milano. But um, yeah, I, I think it was a massive moment, especially in nature and against an opponent like Lazio, who um, were very formidable opponents in Sunday's game. Indeed. And another thing to factor in is that Napoli went out of the Europa League last week. Um, so now they only have the league to focus on, whilst we know both Milan teams are still in Coppa Italia action, but we'll get on to that later. So... Do you now may maybe see them as, as the favourites, Francesco, uh, you know, going into the last sort of 11 games of the season? I still am leaning towards Inter. I think that even though they are struggling, they do have that game in hand. And I still feel that possibly they have something more than Napoli. But having said that, you know, whereas... Two or three weeks ago, I was thinking Napoli maybe were out of the Scudetto race. I, I do feel like they are 
very much in the mix. I think a lot of that has to do with how many, you know, the, the return of so many of their big players. You know, we've seen Aussie men and the impact he's had since he's been back. I think Fabian Ruiz, to underline what how important he is for Napoli, they've only lost once this season when he's played. Uh, all those points that they dropped before Christmas, um, I think three three games they dropped points in in December. He didn't play in any of those because he was out injured or with COVID. So having all of their kind of first team players back is making a real difference to this team. And yeah, I, I wouldn't make them favourites, but they are definitely a real threat to the Scudetto this season. I just want to touch on Lazio as well, because obviously they came out on the wrong end of this result. They also got knocked out of the Europa League in midweek by Porto. Um, are you still confident they're heading in the right direction, Michael? Because they've been on a really good run uh, for the sort of three or four matches before um, this past sort of week. Yeah, I think it's been a constant topic of debate, hasn't it? Especially, you know, with us as well on the podcast in regards to Lazio's long-term future and the work under Sarri and the progress that's been made. I mean, it should, you know, the, the, it was only, it took a quite a special goal very late on, a very dramatic goal to take this game away from them. I don't, I think Porto under Sergio Conceicao has been a really impressive side over the past few years. And I think that was a really, I, 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 I think Lazio came into that tie as underdogs. And okay, whilst the scoreline probably fairly reflected the outcome of what should have happened, they were, you know, they were very much in that tie. And, Okay, it's easy to draw a lot of negatives over this Lazio side at the moment, but you know, generally the start to 2022 has been quite good until recently. Even with that, they've still they're still not being blown away by sides. And I think that with the squad Maurizio Sarri's got and the sort of transformation they've undergone since the departure of Simone Inzaghi last summer, I think that there are. I'm, I'm feeling more optimistic about them at the moment, and I, I think yeah, they, they are making steps in the right direction. I think the bigger issues are whether Sarri can sort of find himself at peace in Rome with Lazio and the borders, with issues we've previously discussed regarding the technical director and um, Claudio Latico as well. So, I think if all that's good at the top, then hopefully things should start to ameliorate for them on the pitch as well. And of course, the reason that Napoli had that chance to go top was because of results on Friday. We're going to start with Inter, who were held to a nil-nil draw by Genoa. Um, you know, Genoa have been a little bit better recently, pick, picking up quite a few draws, Francesco, but how disappointing a result was this for Inter? And we've seen in the last sort of few years maybe apart from last year, they really seem to struggle around sort of January, February time. Can, can you put your finger on why this might be? I, to that last question, I just, I don't know. You're right that it seems to happen in similar sort of period uh, of the season, but there, there doesn't seem to be something that they are doing particularly that makes that happen. They've changed manager over that period and it hasn't seemed to affect them. I think they've changed two managers and we've seen a similar sort of slump at this point. Point. So, yeah, I don't know what it is to do with. I, I, I think this is this felt extremely disappointing for them because whilst they've struggled recently, they have had some tricky fixtures and um, the, the defeat against Sassuolo last weekend 
also felt like a poor result, but the fact that nearly everyone else, kind of all of their rivals, dropped points at the same time, it almost felt like they got away with one. Of course, the reason that Napoli had the chance to go top was because of results on Friday. Um, we're going to start with Inter, who were held to a nil-nil draw by Genoa. Uh, you know, Genoa have sort of been improved recently, getting a few draws here and there. But still, how disappointing a result is this for Inter, Francesco? And we've seen Inter have this dip in January and February quite a few times in recent years, maybe apart from last season. Can you put your finger on why that seems to happen to them? The dip that they have in January, I'm not really sure why that happens. Um, you're right to say that it's happened over the last two or three seasons, and they've had two or three different managers in that time. So you think they might also be doing things slightly differently. It doesn't seem to affect the group results uh, at this time of year. They always seem to have this slump. So I'm not really sure why that's happened. Um, in terms of this result, I feel like it is a very disappointing result for Inter. They've come through a difficult period, but they were playing some pretty good sides. Um, so it felt like it was understandable for them to drop a few points. And then after the result last week against Sassuolo, which was very disappointing, it felt like they got away with it with all the other rivals dropping points and, and also almost been given a kind of lifeline to get, to, to get back on top of the league, especially with Milan drawing before them on Friday night. And you would, I know that Genoa have improved. They are definitely a much better side under Blessing, but you would still have expected Inter to, to win this game. So for them not to do that um, and miss the chance to join Milan, I think is extremely disappointing. And it is, you know, it is from an Inter point of view, I think it feels quite worrying now. Um, I do feel like they, they need to get back on track quickly. Um, the other teams have started to pick up points. We've seen Napoli jump above them now, so they haven't really got any more wiggle room. They've built up that quite a significant lead, but but all of that has gone over the last few weeks. So they do need to start picking up these points again. We know from you know sort of five years at Lazio that Inzaghi's not going to change formation, Michael. He's going to stick with this three-five-two. But is there anything else that he can change to alter this slump? Because as Francesco said, you know, they've got this game in hand. If they did win that, they'd go one point clear. But but there isn't really any room to, you, you know, they can't afford any more slip-ups, really, can they? Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, in terms of that whole topic as a whole, you know, like you said, Inzaghi's not going to change his system. So I think ultimately the biggest thing that needs to be changed is the mentality within the camp and the Blasky camp. In the last few weeks, um, that's really the levels have really dropped off in the last few games. I think one goal scored in the past four, and I think that lack of that bluntness in front of goal and that lack of confidence has really stemmed throughout the teams. I mean, what we've seen in both Genoa and Sassuolo games is that they're starting to concede the ball sort of midway through their own half a lot more, putting more pressure on themselves, which is something that they've been so good at throughout the season, especially with Brozovic playing deep um, and. It just seems to be, yeah, it's becoming a much more wider issue throughout the team now. I I think that, you know, whether there is some quite drastic changes in the training camp, whether some of their methods in terms of motivational methods or anything like that is changed, I think that's it. I mean, in terms of sort of the tactical and coaching system, again, I think, you know, you're not going to see a change in formation and a general way that interplay, but there can certainly be tweaks in that and that could be maybe 
the way that Inzaghi uses his midfield, maybe until they sort of recover a bit of form, do they go a bit more conservative with the central midfield and just allow themselves to have a bit more control of play going into the next game? So Lenatana just seems a great opportunity next for in the league at least for them to try that. Um, but he has to get those strikers firing. And I do one of my big concerns for this Inter Milan side is that that start it's so easy to pick a starting eleven for Inter Milan this season for me. Like I, I know it off the top of my head, and I think most people do. And I think when you think of the squad options, yeah, they're not bad players all over the pitch, but for a team that's so low on confidence, there's a real issue for them coming in and being expected to change things because the pressure on them is ultimately massive. And that seems to be weighing on them and the likes of Alexis Sanchez as well, not to just single him out, Gagliardini, a number of the players. But I think that overall, I think it is looking at, yeah, may, maybe slight tweaks in the way that their patterns of play in the final third, but also there has to be a big emphasis on sort of so, sorting out whatever problems there are in camp because I'm not saying that there's deep-rooting issues, but there's been a real slump in the past two months now. It was it was a month we're talking about for a while. Now it's two months, and it really needs to be resolved sooner rather than later. The other game on Friday night was Milan at home to Udinese, and um, Milan didn't take advantage either. They were held to a, to a draw. Um, we've seen this a couple of times already this season. They lost against Spezia. They drew the previous week against Salernitana. Do you think it's maybe the pressure getting to them, Francesco, or, or is it something else? It, it's difficult to say what happens to Milan against these sides. Um, <clears throat> I found this season that often the opposite of what I expect to happen happens to Milan. So they, they pull out big results against the better sides and then they struggle against the smaller teams. Um, I think they they must be feeling the pressure um, because I don't really think anyone was expecting Milan to be doing this well at this stage. A little bit like last season. I, I don't think if you had asked even Milan fans at the beginning of the year, are you realistically going to challenge for the Scudetto? I think you'd find a few of them who might have said yes. But most people, and especially Pioli and Maldini, the, the, the people in the club who, who know the team, they wouldn't have been expecting to challenge for the Scudetto. But because of the way the season's gone, they are very much in the race. So you're right that maybe they do feel the pressure against these bottom sides. I think Milan were also... I mean, I don't think they played well against Udinese. Udinese probably deserved at least the draw. But I do think that they were a bit unlucky with the refereeing decision. Um, I think if you if you look at the this Udinese goal, it does look like it touches a hand and VAR looked at it and, and they decided that it was fine. So... I think they, they, they have been a bit unlucky on occasion with decisions, and this this game was, was one of them. But, yeah, the performance didn't really deserve a win, So it, and, and it's not clear why they do struggle with these smaller teams. I now want to move on to Juventus, who, um, you know, that they came after the couple of the games for Inter and Milan, and that they did manage to, you know, claw away at that gap a bit uh, by beating Empoli 3-2 in, in a pretty entertaining game. We were talking last week about how Vlaovic had maybe gone off the boil slightly, but he's now he scored against Villarreal last week and then uh, got a couple of goals in this game. So he's got three and two. Do you think he's now sort of fully settled into that Juve side, Michael? 
I think it's hard to say. I think it's hard to say when players arrive mid-season. Um, in terms of the sort of broader topic of Lahovic's time at Juventus so far, so there's been generally better moments than there has been bad, and he's had a positive impact on the team. Whether he's fully settled yet, I'm not 100% sure. It's maybe a bit too soon to tell. But just going by the nature of his goals, the manner in which they were taken, one with the left, one with the right, lovely dink, and a great bit of skill for his first goal as well against Empoli, I think there are signs of, and everything we've seen of Dusan Vlahovic in Serie A with Fiorentina in the past couple of years has been that of a such a confident striker, very much reminiscent of Erman Haaland, hence you know why the comparisons would be there. But he's got that real figurehead sort of demeanour to him. And I think he's really carried that straight across into the Juventus team to be that talisman for them in the forward areas. So, yeah, I think there's been re- obviously the goals. I think there was obviously it's natural that there's going to be that conversation that we had that conversation and a lot of people did regarding that trial he had. But yeah, I, I'm not really surprised it's turned it around. Obviously, he's now just got the challenge of not going through periods of inactivity as much in games. Um, but I think it's yeah, very good signs for Vlahovic and I think Juve, it's a good result for Juve. Obviously, the two goals conceded is disappointing, but they do have the big man up top to bail them out a little bit more now. And of course the other goal scorer on the day was Moise Keane, who um, you know, throughout this season he's largely been behind uh, you know, Dybala and Morata in the pecking order and, and now of course Vlaovic. But do you think, Francesco, that he deserves more opportunities for the re- for the rest of the season? I I really like Keane. I think he's a player with real potential and um I would like to see him used more. Um and and maybe with this new because I feel like Allegri has changed the way Juve play a little bit since Vlaovic's arrival. Maybe that will give him more opportunities. It feels like he's he's happier to play Vlaovic's kind of a central striker with another striker up with him. Um and and so yeah, I do see Keane more. I think Keane could is you know, has the potential to be Italy, one of Italy's strikers, and um, I just feel like I don't really understand. You know, I, I think it was a mistake for him to leave Juve in the first place, where he was really coming on that season, the last season before he left and went to Everton. It looked like he was ready to make a breakthrough, and then you know he struggled a bit in England, and then he had a great season in in France. Um, and now that he's back in Italy, I think he's had too much criticism. I, 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 it feels like the Juve fans don't really love this player. I don't really know why. But um, he gets too much criticism because I think he he does considering how much game time he gets and that he is in and out of the team a lot. When he does play, I, I feel he does okay. Um, so yeah, I, I really hope we'll see him more and and maybe this new kind of formation, this new way that Allegri has of playing, um, might give him more chances. Yeah, I, I definitely I agree, agree with that. I think the signing of Blahovic can really help. Moisa can um, settle a bit more. I mean, one of my biggest criticisms of him that. We saw at Everton and Juventus, but maybe why he did so well at PSG was that I don't think he's the best of players at fashioning out his own chances too much and creating space for himself. His movement's quite good, but in terms of working the ball out of difficult areas or beating a defender in a battle, I don't think that's his that that are his strengths. I think it's more like his poacher-like instincts and his running is also a strong part to his game. Both of which I think he can exploit more now with Vlahovic occupying more space and I think there was a good example of that for the goal that he scored against Empoli where 
Rabiot's put this ball in from the left-hand side and Vlahovic has taken all the markers uh, at the near post and Moise Ken's, you know, in a great position. His movement's great. He's got to the back, to the far post and he's just been able to steer home a header. And he's definitely one of those players who, you know, he epitomises that a goal can just change the way he plays and his confidence and his all-round game. He is such a confidence player that Allegri should feed off this moment. It could be quite an important moment for him in his short time in his second stint at the club. I've been looking at quite a few graphics of, you know, the league table on, on social media and whatnot, and we've seen that there's only two points in it between the top three. But a lot of these graphics are including Juve as well, who are seven points off top. If Inter won their game in hand, they'd be eight points behind. Are they definitely a part of this title race, do you think, Francesco? Or is that gap still a little bit wide with, with sort of 11 games to go? Is it possible to claw back that gap over three teams? I I wouldn't rule Juve out. Um, I think over, so there's 11 matches left in Serie A this season and over the last 11 matches Juve have even though they've not been totally convincing, they've actually made up five points on Napoli and five points on Inter in that time. So, um, you know, they're, they're seven points behind Napoli at the moment. They're potentially eight points behind Inter if, if, if Inter win their game in hand. But that game in hand is probably going to happen after the Juve match. So, because they still have to play Inter. So, so they, they have opportunities to make up those points, I think. Um, it's possibly whether they'll have enough matches uh, because, you know, whilst they have been making up ground, they haven't made up. If, if they carried on at, at that rate, they wouldn't wouldn't do it. Um, and, you know, it's also happened when a lot of the teams above them have, have had a dip in form. Napoli seem to be back, uh, back in business and, and you would expect Inter's results to improve. So, you know they they do need other te- you know they need other teams to be complicit I think if they are going to challenge for the title but I feel like right now they are even though they're not being completely convincing in terms of results they are in form they're they're as in form as, as any other side in Serie A so I can see them from here to the end of the season picking up more points than the teams above them it's just whether they'll have enough time to pick up as many points as they need. I now want to move on to the Monday night game this week, which was Atalanta against Sampdoria. And Atalanta, um, I feel we've been quite down on them most of this season, which just sort of shows how far they've come. But they've actually had a really good week, you know, beating Olympiacos convincingly in the Europa League. And then they won 4-0 against Sampdoria. One player I want to pick out, Michael, is uh, Cook Miners, uh, who, who, who came in. Uh, last summer um, maybe it's gone a little bit under the radar but he got a couple of goals against Sampdoria and really seems to be developing nicely you know over, over the last few years we've seen this Darun and Freuler partnership but he seemed to maybe come in and, and could play in that central midfield how, how highly do you rate him? Yeah I rate him really highly I mean I've heard wonderful things about him during his time at AZ Alkmaar when he was in the Netherlands and when he's joined, I think he's probably been their standout player for me in what, like you said, it's been a disappointing season. But yeah, we saw a completely different side to his game against Sampdoria where, you know, there was a formation change. Um, Gasparini went for the back four. And initially when I saw it, I did think there was a possibility of seeing Coop Miners maybe put into that back four, into the back five as they would normally play, maybe in the middle, because he had done that 
previously um, for Netherlands. I think he's done it for Atalanta as well. But the manner in which he ended up playing this sort of free roaming central role, kind of rotating with Pasovic, which just worked wonders. Pasovic got on the score sheet as well. Kuman has had two goals, both of which were just taken excellently and not by that of a player who you'd think hasn't really played much of that position this season. But yeah, what I, I kind of love about him is he's kind of old school in the sense that he's just such an all-round player. And I think he could really be a box-to-box player. He has the sort of intelligence and IQ to play a more deep, disciplined role. But we've seen so many more layers to his game. And I think there are real signs, you know, sporting the number seven shirt for Atalanta that long-term he could be the real solution um, for not Papu Gomez strictly because they're two very different types of players. But in terms of what he brings to the team on a whole, I think that's what he could be. And I think there's, yeah, he's going to be key if Atalanta are going to sustain a top four push for the rest of the season. I'd I'd also say, now a few weeks ago, we spoke about the best signings of the season. I don't know if we mentioned Kukmanis. I don't think we did, no. At 12 million euros, which for a 20 or a 24 year old player of his quality, you know, I, I love this player. I think he is he could play in, in any side in Europe for me. Um, you know, he's got versatility, like Michael says, he can play in defense but also be an attacking midfielder. He and yeah, he looks like a complete player. He's he's also extremely aesthetically pleasing. I think he's a he's a sexy footballer and he's. He, he for me would be one of one of the best signings of the season and he's had a great first season and yeah um he i think he's excellent yeah seems to be developing really well um michael you you said there about atalanta sustaining their top four push um i'm going to be a little bit mischievous here perhaps um but if atalanta win their game in hand they actually go level on points with juve um and, you know, Francesca said he wouldn't rule out Juve yet, although a lot of results have to go in their favour. So do Atalanta even have, you know, maybe a slight sniff at making a title push if they finish the season perfectly? Just to be clear, I don't. But there, I do admit that there is this... I, don't, I generally don't think they're in the title race, and I don't think they will be, going by what we've not just seen recently, but over the course of the season. But I will admit there is the slightest, slightest chance, and this is probably me being mischievous myself, of them being in the title race. And that's mainly because we've seen, I'm going off sort of past evidence of what we've seen from Gasparini teams when they have had these belated runs, um, maybe in the 2019-20 season when they ended up pushing Juventus right until the final weeks when they had that brilliant um, second half to the season and Gasparini does know how to get his teams recovering from big slumps um, to get a winning formula and a winning tune and I talked earlier about the sort of significance and the effect that his change in formation had this kind of 4-2-3-1 super fluid formation that he used now if this is maybe what they're going to do teams aren't used to playing against Atalanta this way and if it's all clicking for Atalanta and if it continues to click against more rugged opponents, more opponents who, you know, aren't going to are going to be more disruptive ultimately, but they still find solutions, then there is a huge potential for Atalanta um, to pick up points, which is really exciting. I think they do still have quite a number of tough games. I think they've got Milan, they've got Napoli, 
They've got Sassuolo as well as being excellent against the bigger teams this season. But the, there is there is a there is a good opportunity for them there, and at the very least putting that top four push. But yeah, let's let's see what happens in the next few games. M- Michael, do you think that Juve have got a, a chance of winning the title? Yeah, no, I, I do think they do, and I think I, I I kind of I wax lyrical about them after Vlahovic's first appearance for them in that victory against Elas Verona, but I think there's. I think with Blahovic leading the line now, I do think, and with Allegri's experience of winning so many titles, I think that they do have a real chance. I think that I'm still, I, whilst this was a massive victory for Napoli, I'm still not convinced about any of the teams above them recovering for many times soon. So if Juventus, even though they're not playing entirely convincingly, continue to pick up points, like I, I think you summed it up perfectly, to be honest, Francesco, when you said, you know, I think they. I think they'll. I also think they'll pick up more points than the rest of the teams. It's just the main question is whether they can pick up enough. Milan play Atalanta on the second last day of the season, and I think there could be a lot riding on that match. I think. I think well, they played each other on the last day of last season, didn't they? Yeah, but yeah. I think I feel like this could be a playoff for a Champions League place. I, I think I think considering I don't think they've been convincing at all this season. I think it'd be a travesty if Juve win the league this season. Considering yeah. how rubbish they were the first in particular the first sort of six to eight games of the season, I think it would be horrendous. I don't I don't think they'll I think they could get back into the title race maybe, but I'd be stunned if they won the title because I they they've never convinced me at any real point this season. I think that I think, was it Gazetta del Sport that said that it was the craziest title race of all time? And it is. And the main thing I'm having is, even with this Napoli victory, I just think there's no team actually looking like deserved winners at the moment. I think that's part of the problem. I think there's every team in and around that title race has so many flaws. They they also have a lot of great attributes about them as well. But like you can pick flaws in almost every team in and around the top of the table at the moment. You know, we've dissected into Inter Milan's AC Milan Napoli let's not forget they were absolutely destroyed by Barcelona only a few days earlier in the Europa League playoff round Juventus like you said have been rubbish for long periods and even rubbish since signing Vlahovic for some games so it's it's a really strange season and I think being too yeah I think I think we should expect Yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be very fascinating the last sort of eleven games of the season. I want to move on to another side who can maybe make a push for the top four, and that's Roma. Uh, they beat Spezia this weekend one 0 ninety ninth minute penalty uh, from Tammy Abraham. I saw the um, expected goals for this game, and I I think Roma's was above four point five, which is just madness to be honest. Um, can you put your finger on, Francesco, why they're so wasteful in front of goal? And do you think maybe they're a little bit over-reliant on Abraham for the goals? Um, there are no other sort of natural goal scorers in that team, perhaps? This is another str- strange one. Um, I I don't know why they don't score more. They, it, and this isn't just, you know, a one-game trend. This is their expected goals is the second highest in the league. Um you know, only Inter have got higher expected goals, and 
actually their expected points would have them fourth. So maybe we've been a bit harsh in our criticism. Not everyone's been a bit harsh in their criticism of Bournemouth this season because really they are playing quite well, or they're certainly creating enough chances to to have accrued more points. Um, and it, it isn't clear. They, it feels like they've got a lot of players who could contribute more. I think Abraham's had a, a great first season. Uh, certainly statistically has. Um, but it is, you know, why hasn't Zaniolo scored more goals? He has played quite a few matches now. He hasn't really contributed much. Why hasn't um, Mkhitaryan scored more goals? Because last season he, he did score quite a few. Um, I think when Pellegrini, you know, they missed Pellegrini... Um, when he dropped out of the team, he he started off scoring quite a few goals at the beginning of the season, and he had another great game this this weekend. So maybe you know, I, I don't, it feels like it might come together for Roma, and they might finish the season strongly and and start to convert those chances. But um, yeah, it's difficult to know why that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, been been quite bizarre for them, but but they did get the win in the end, and they're only sort of half a dozen points outside that top four, so perhaps still an opportunity for them. I want to move on to um, Sassuolo Fiorentina, which I, I think going into the weekend looked like a really interesting game, and and it turned out to be that way. Uh, Sassuolo got a two-one win, and it was another injury time winner. Um, Sassuolo really seem to be starting to click into gear now, don't they, Michael? After quite a poor first half of the season are you quite excited to see how they do the rest of this season and then maybe heading into next year I, I know there's the possibility they lose some players this summer but it, it looks like a promising team right yeah it is but I, I still have the same problem with them that I've had for the bulk of the season even when they had that poorer first half of the season is that they're Yes, they beat Fiorentina and Inter Milan, two brilliant victories, and we shouldn't take anything away from that. But Fiorentina, okay, maybe those two teams aren't too far away from each other in terms of where they're at at the moment, but Fiorentina go play every team now under Vincenzo Italiano like they should be dominating them. They'll play a wide-open game, and that suits Sassuolo perfectly. If you look at all their wins, I think since October... Yeah, since 23rd of October, their wins have been against Juventus, AC Milan, Lazio, Empoli and Cagliari. So they're the only two outside of the seven sisters, as they like to be called, Inter Milan and Fiorentina. So they still have this massive issue where they're struggling against teams, including Roma, who I think is fair to say in the 2-2 in the draw, they're still struggling against teams who are going to sit back further and we really need to see sort of Dionisi coming up with solutions in that respect. I think that that's something I'm yet to be really convinced about. I think they've definitely got the personnel to do it. We look at Dominica Berardi's numbers this season, Raspadori and Scamacca have had probably proper breakout campaigns this time around as well. But they, I think they've got three teams in the relegation side coming up in the near future. But I, I still have major question marks on their ability to actually break down teams and build up that sustainability rather than really just maximise space that's presented to them. So I think there's a few dysfunctional aspects about the team. The one thing I would say that has notably changed for me in the past couple of games is that I think the defence has been miles better. The clean sheet against Inter Milan, I think, was only the second since that 
game against Venezia, which they didn't, it goes back even further. I think it, I think it goes back to September. And they only conceded one very late goal against Fiorentina. So maybe there are signs that the defence is improving and that could be a big stepping stone for them. But yeah, overall, I'm still quite reserved about Sassuolo. The next game I want to touch on is Verona-Venezia. Um, 3-1 win for Verona in this game, and it was a hat-trick for Giovanni Simeone. Um, Francesco, he, he's now got 15 goals for the season, Simeone, although they seem to come in patches. So I guess my question is, is he good enough to, you know, make that next step and perhaps play for a top six Italian side or, or you know, a top six side abroad, perhaps? Or is he just too streaky a striker? <laughs> that rolls off the tongue, but too streaky to, to make that next step, do you think? Yeah, I remain to be convinced by Simeone. I, I think he, like you say, he's extremely good in patches, but for someone whose main contribution to the team should be goal scoring, I think you'd want a little bit more consistency. I think this is already his best season ever previous record is 14 goals, so he's beaten that now. Um, but I would want to, to see him confirm this kind of form over two or three seasons before thinking that he's ready to play for one of the bigger sides. Um, that's my personal opinion. I, I, in, in theory, he, he has everything, you know, he has all the attributes to be to be a very good striker, even at a, a higher level, but I'd want to see him repeat it over, over a longer period before, you know, committing to that. Of course, on the flip side, Venezia is another defeat for them. And they're now into the bottom three, Michael. Um, what chance do you give them of getting out of that bottom three? Or is it looking quite gloomy for them? I think they've got a chance. I don't think performances, I think, don't, I don't think performances have generally been too bad. But that was quite a telling defeat for them. I know that they drew, well, I think they drew Genoa, but four. And it wasn't that long ago where they beat Torino. So, the, and if you cast your minds back to a month ago, I remember, I, I think this was maybe the start of when Inter Milan had their drop off. It took that last minute winner. But I think generally what you see from them is that they've been quite competitive. They've got quite a good mix of ability all around the pitch. Um, I think it maybe depends more on the teams around them as well. I suspect Venezia are just going to maybe pick up a similar points per game the whole season, which will maybe get them to a points tally. I'm not, I haven't done the maths, but I, I think it, my feeling is it will get them to a points tally that would see them maybe relegate some seasons and maybe not relegated others. So in that case, I think it actually depends more on the teams around them. I think they're quite a stable team. And I think that's more what it hinges. I think it's more, you know, if they can put an improve, increase in performances, then they will stay up. I, I think they're going to be performing at a similar level for most of the season. I don't think they're going to collapse either. So, Well, you've talked about consistency there, and I guess we can now move on to Cagliari, who are the exact opposite, that they were absolutely dreadful the first half of the season and have now somehow turned it around, and they beat Torino this weekend and are, and are out of the bottom three. Um I know you're not a fan of his, but does Walter Mazzari deserve some praise, Francesco? Um, and, and can they keep this up, Calgary? Because since the turn of the year, they've been one of the best sides in terms of points total in the whole division. Yeah, um, I 
think they they would be fifth if the season started in this calendar year. So they've had a, a brilliant 2022, and Mazari does deserve credit. You, you can't argue with it, um, and they certainly deserve a lot of credit because at one point they looked in a desperate situation and they've made up lots of ground really quickly. And I I agree with what Michael was saying about Venezia. I actually think Venezia, in terms of their performance, it hasn't really dropped. And and they have been picking up points here or there, Venezia. But Cagliari have just taken off. Um, and it feels... I think they're only three points out of it. It might be less than that. I, I, it's uh, So they're three points out of the relegation zone. But... It feels almost like they're already safe because you can see them, you know, they're on this run of form and you can see them picking up more points, certainly than the teams below them, but probably also than the teams above them from now until the end of the season. So, yes, you know, you're right, Sam, I'm not a lover of Mazzari, but um, he has undoubtedly done a good job there. And the final game that we've got to touch on from the weekend is Salonitana, who drew with Bologna. Uh, that's a that's a couple of draws on the trot for Salernitana, who are certainly you know becoming more and more competitive as the season goes on. But have they left themselves too much to do, Michael? Do you think in in terms of avoiding the drop? Yeah, I think so. I think they're now with Cagliari. I think if Cagliari not been on this run of form, then they could still be in it because ultimately the points total will probably be three points less where Venezia are, but. If Cagliari continue this form, then it looks like it's going to be Venezia and Spezia who are going to be the teams that they may be chasing at this rate. Spezia are 11 points clear of Salernitana, who, yeah, whilst there's been improvements, I think they're four games unbeaten, but four draws, and that's going to cost them in itself. Whilst they're not bad results and whilst they're turning the tide, it's not what you need when you're looking to pull off a great escape. And that in itself would almost suggest that Salernitana are now going to be having to look for a period in the league where they're only going to lose maybe one or two games in their next six games, so ultimately like one or two defeats in the in those in that ten game spell. Which I just think for a team that's been sort of almost recompiled in if, if that's a word in the January transfer market, that they've that they're looking for, you know, I, I think that's a huge ask for them. And I think there's, yeah, really good signs about them. And there's a lot to like about them for what they've been through this season, almost facing expulsion at the end of 2021. But ultimately, I think it's just way too tall an order for them to ask now. And I think it even, it's bordering on that for Genoa also. But Genoa, there is a bit more now to experience in that team. And I think that's why I'm just giving, even though there's only two points difference, I'm just giving them a bit more chance. And the draws, Genoa have picked up, I think, a better number draws. Salernitana have picked up one. I, I, I'm with Michael on this. I think both of those sides, Genoa and Salernitana, have, there's been a marked improvement since the closure of the transfer window because there have been such wholesale changes. And, uh, you know, they've definitely benefited in terms of their performance. And they have been picking up points, but just not enough points. And I just think from here until the end of the season, there just aren't enough games left. I, I would really like to see Salernitana stay up, especially. I think Davide Nicola, their, their coach, who cycled from... When, when Cortona stayed up, he cycled from you know basically the whole length of Italy all the way up to Turin because he made a bet that he would. Uh, this time he said that he would walk to, to see the Pope if they stay up. So 
just to see that happen uh, it'd be worth it i think yeah and just another reason i mean i was just having a look at their fixture list and okay they've got inter milan who aren't in great form they'll probably pick up a draw there at this rate but after that they've got sassuolo juventus torino roma Sampdoria, Fiorentina and Atalanta, which is one of the most horrendous runs of teams probably going to face all season in Serie A. So, yeah, you know, I've gone from the, I mean, I didn't really give them a chance, but yeah, absolutely no chance. Okay. Well, well, we'll come back to quote you on that when at the end of May they pull off the great escape. But uh, yeah, well, we'll see. It, it, it's looking unlikely, but you never know. Crotone did pull it off a few years ago with the same manager. Um I now want to move on to the Coppa Italia midweek. Now, we're, we're recording this Tuesday night, so by the time this goes out, the first leg of the Milan semi-final will have happened. But I guess my first question, Francesco, is who is this tie more important for, Milan or Inter, in terms of that they're both right at the top of the table? You know, neither club has won the Coppa Italia for a little while, so, so who do you think needs this victory more? I feel like they, they are both struggling a little bit right now, but I feel like Inter kind of mentally have have collapsed, uh, you know, in the last two or three weeks especially. Um, and so possibly they need it more, uh, I think, from a psychological level in terms of the whole season. Um but but you know I'd say the same about Milan. Really, they they would also they could also do with a with a big you know kind of morale boosting win. Um, what I would say is that it feels like this semi final, even though they're you know what's at stake is exactly the same, feels much more important than the other one. I feel like even Fiorentina are in a place mentally where whilst that is a big game and they both want to get through. Um, they could almost cope with with defeat better than than Inter and Milan, who who feel, you know, mentally both extremely fragile right now. So, yeah, I, I think it's difficult to say. If you ask me to pick one, I'd probably say Inter. Yeah, I'd agree. I agree with Francesco's sentiment as well about regarding the sort of importance of both ties when you're putting them next to each other, but. I'd say it's quite, I mean, whilst Milan really do, they need a trophy, they need to be compete, maybe, you know, reaching a final. I, I just think this is so much more important for Inter Milan at this moment, because when we look at this drop-off they suffered, it ultimately started with that derby a month ago, and what a better, I think it's a bigger opportunity for Inter Milan, not that it means more or anything like that, it's a bigger opportunity for them to turn it around. I could still see Milan winning this semi-final and still go on to have all the rest of the problems they have for the rest of the season. Whereas for Inter Milan, this, for me, could be a real catalyst for them to rediscover that form that it looked, made them look like runaway title winners and could be really important for them domestically. Obviously, it's two legs, so I, I expect a really, really cagey first leg. Um, you know, probably it's going to be about 5-2 to somebody by the time this podcast goes out, but... <laughs> Um, you know, I, I I do think that it's 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 a fascinating tie, and there's yeah, I, I'd say Inter really really need to get through this um, for me. And then of course the other semi final is Juventus Fiorentina, as, as you've mentioned, Francesco. 
I guess the big talking point would be you know, Vlaovic playing against his former club, who he left in not the best circumstances just over a month ago. Um, what chance do you give Fiorentina of pulling off you know, a bit of an upset here? I, I guess Juve enter this tie as, as, as favourites, right? Yeah, I think that Juve probably are favourites. Um, I mean, there were, there were rumours that Vlaovic might even be rested for this game. <laughs> that happened um, but I do give Fiorentina a good chance you know I think Italiano has them playing uh, you know arguably the, the best football in Serie A this season certainly one of the top sides in terms of the aesthetic and, and what he's getting from his players and um, it's it's a two-legged thing you know previous form doesn't really matter I think they will give Juve a game but yeah Juve are the favourites and, and ultimately you know, Juve don't mind playing against sides who can play a bit, who will come out and play against them. It is the kind of opponent that they've thrived against over the past kind of decade. So I, I think Fiorentina have a, have a good chance, but yes, definitely Juve favourites. And how about you, Michael? How do you see that tie going? Um, obviously not much to separate them in the league, actually. Uh, you know, in terms of favourites, I was just thinking, obviously, how Juve have done over the past dec- decade or so, really. But you know, it could be quite a uh, tight tie. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, even if Juventus rest Vlahovic, they have got the options. It's a great chance for Moise Ken, like we were discussing earlier, and Murata as well. I mean, I, I make Juventus ultimately. I made them favourites to retain the title. I think. I, I, I think okay, regardless of what happens in the league, I think that they're still a very good cup team. It's been shown by the European credentials this season, as well. I definitely give Fiorentina a chance um, because, like Francesco said, they've been playing great football, but they certainly look more susceptible against the bigger teams since Vlahovic's departure. You know, we look at the Lazio game, the Sassuolo game. They've certainly um, been affected by that more, but they they do have that Atalanta Cup victory to draw confidence on. So, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting... This is, whilst the Milan derby is just going to be full of drama and tension, this is much more like intriguing tie, I think, tactically, and should be a really enjoyable battle between the two teams. It certainly should be a couple of really intriguing ties, and we'll see how they pan out and reflect on that next week. Thanks for joining me, guys, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you again soon. Ciao.